that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you're doing that right now. No one's forcing you to do it. You're doing it because you know Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And with that in mind, let's talk to Jesus right now. Lord Jesus, you are the name that is above every name. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. You laid down your life for us on the cross. And words are inadequate to tell you how much we love you, Lord. We give you our lives. We desire to live our lives as living sacrifices for you, Jesus. Not for us. For you. You're worthy. You are worthy. And you reign in power today. And you are right here, right now with us. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a series entitled Questions by Jesus. And the question I'm looking at today is this. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6 the importance of not being handcuffed by our anxiety and our worry. And around you, millions of people are every day. They're worried and anxious about life. Today it's a problem. It's all around us. And we're going to talk about it today. The bottom line of our talk is this. Jesus challenges us to reject worry and anxiety in our lives. Instead, to trust God as a comprehensive approach to life when we face uncertainties and trials. To live lives of faith. Like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, there should be one nearby. <clears throat> Page 811 in your chair, Bibles. As we open up the Word of God this morning and talk about what Jesus said. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given by the greatest preacher that ever lived, uh, the greatest life that this world ever experienced, that was Jesus Christ. And he says this in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I tell you, now if you're a student of the Word, you know that anytime you see the word therefore, you've got to ask what it's there for. Exactly. It's, he's referring to the verses before Verse 25, where he says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus just talked about the need for us to be people of faith who believe in God and serve him. And if you believe there's a God that created 400 billion galaxies that created you and stamped his image upon you, which he did, he knows the hairs on your head, knows every day you're ever going to live. If you know that to be true, which it is, therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food? It's a rhetorical question. Of course it is. And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. He, he uses an example in creation, right? Which I encourage you to do all the time. All around you, you see the fingerprints of God. And my prayer is every blade of grass, every leaf on every tree, every bird that flies, every animal that walks this planet is a source of encouragement to you in your faith. This could not have happened without this incredible God who designed everything. He said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I don't know if you're like me, I've never seen 
birds signing up for farming. I don't know, I haven't seen them training to be farmers. They don't have barns, right? Jesus uses them as an example. They don't do any of that. God takes care of them. And he says this, and you are more value than they. Yeah, I love that because in our world today, we're taught by evolutionists that every animal is equally valuable. God says, no, that's not true. You are more valuable than the birds of the air. Why? Because God stamped his image on you. God created you for a reason, to have a relationship with him. You are of more value than the birds. And which of you, here's a question, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. In fact, the opposite is true. If you're anxious and worried, you're going to probably shorten your life because of the negative impact of worry and anxiety. He says this, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, that amazing king in the Old Testament that God gave incredible wisdom to, and people would come and bask in the wealth and the wisdom of Solomon. Jesus says, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these lilies in the field. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you? And here's the problem of little faith. What God is telling me today as pastor, melt up your faith. Increase your faith. Mel, when you're anxious and worried about things, and we all are, right? We all have those moments. Increase your faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Anxiety is really about this. It's a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease in our lives. Here's more of a psychiatric definition. A disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or even panic attacks. The reality is this. We don't live in a perfect world. We wish we did, right? We wish we lived in a perfect world. God created a perfect world, gave us the freedom to follow him or not. We broke the world. He has a plan to fix it. But we wish we lived in a perfect world, amen? A place where like chocolate had no calories. Our donuts on the patio had no calories. Where procrastination was a virtue. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Love that. Where kids in the back seat didn't keep saying, are we there yet, but said, man, driving in a car is fun with mom and dad. We, we don't have that. It would be great if politicians would pay taxes to us, amen? I would love that. But we don't live in a world like that. But knowing that, we do know this. There is a God that created us. He reigns in power today. And Jesus tells us, don't be people that are handcuffed in our lives, paralyzed to follow God because we're so anxious. We're worried and bothered about so many things. Remember the story about Martha? And Jesus came to Martha's house and Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. And uh, Martha was in the kitchen preparing a meal for the Lord, but Mary wasn't there helping. She comes in and says, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do all the work myself says this. And by the way, this is a perfect 
description of American culture. He says to Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. That's what we live our lives like. We're worried and bothered about so many things. Jesus says this, only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her. What was the better part? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, trusting him, not being so caught up in doing and, and, and trying to get everything done that needs to be done and being anxious and worried that we can't live the lives that God has called us to be. See, worry is often trying to control the uncontrollable. And God tells us there are things in your life that you can't control. Leave it with me. Trust me. Trust me with those things. There's a word in the Greek that's uh, translated worry in the Greek New Testament. It's a word used here in the passage. It's miramatnete. And it literally means a divided mind. You, you believe this about God, but you can't live it out. You believe that God is an awesome being and he knows you. But then you end up living a life of worry and anxiety. And Jesus challenges us to trust him so that we can push that behind us and walk with faith the life that God has called us to live. The word worry comes from the English word to choke or to strangle, which is exactly what worry does. It chokes us. It strangles us. It decreases our strength to do what God has called us to do. Here's the first thing I want you to remember. It's this. Worry doesn't accomplish anything positive or productive. It doesn't. Jesus said himself, which of you by worrying, by being anxious, can add one hour to the span of your life? You can't. That means it accomplishes nothing. It's unproductive. And when we fall into a pattern of worry and anxiety in our lives, it decreases what God wants to accomplish in our lives. See, worry robs the joy that I should experience every day. You might say, well, Mel, what about when I lose a loved one or something tragic happens? Yeah, that's a terrible thing. And there are times of sorrow that we've all had in our lives. But Jesus wants us to have this deep-seated joy even in our times of sorrow that acknowledges that we are in the hands of an almighty God who loves us. And he promises to work all things together for good. And they're not just empty words. They are promises backed up by the almighty power of God that created 400 billion galaxies. See, this is what the word of God says. Rejoice in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord once in a while. Don't you love that verse? Man, to rejoice in the Lord once in a while? It's, yeah, exactly. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Even when things don't go our way. Because we know that we have this relationship with this awesome God. And the fact that we have this relationship with this amazing God that loved us all the way to the cross is more than we ever deserve. Are you encouraged by that today? You should be. Do you know that the same God who created everything around us promises that he will work all things together for good to those that love him? And that one day we will 
step into eternity to a place that is beyond anything we can imagine or think. It's real, my friends. Please don't ever doubt it. Please live every day with that deep-seated conviction in your life. And in that, you can rejoice. And Paul repeats it again. This is how important it is to have this joy in your life and not to let worry and anxiety steal it from you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. There's so much to be thankful for. You might say, well, Mel, I had dreams and aspirations. They weren't realized. Some of my dreams were shattered, and I get that. Every one of us in this room has probably dreams that weren't realized. But again, go back to the core conviction. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the promise of eternal life with him, it's more than we ever deserve. It's incredible. Psalm 118.24 says this, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day God has made. I think I've shared with you in the past nine years ago, I had my unexpected heart attack. Didn't have any symptoms. And wow, out of nowhere, in, in a coma for nine days, paddled with those electric paddles more than 30 times to keep me alive over an hour and a half. And after that experience, every day in my quiet time, I begin by saying, Lord, thank you for this new day. It's a wonderful gift. Does it mean it's problem-free? No. Does it mean that there aren't temptations for me to get caught up in anxiety and worry? No, there are plenty of them. I have four daughters, four weddings to pay for. Four weddings. Not one, not two, four. We have to pay for them. I have to pay. She just flew in from Hawaii doing an all-nighter. Can you believe that? Landed at LAX, 7 a.m., drove here, and is here. You're amazing. You're amazing. So if she falls asleep on me preaching, you'll know why. But there's so many things we could worry about. But my, my challenge as a believer in Christ is to say, Lord, I want to trust you. I'm going to take this day one at a time. It's what the text says, right? Jesus says at the very end of the passage, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Walk one day at a time. Yes, we use our minds and our wisdom to plan ahead. That's a good thing. The Bible talks about the value of planning. That's a good thing. In fact, God has given you an amazing thing that is yours. In fact, scientists call it the three pounds of the most organized matter in the universe. Do you know what it is? Your mind, your brain, exactly. The three pounds of the most organized matter in the universe, God's given it to you. And, and the Word of God says, hey, if you ask me for wisdom, John, James chapter 1, I'll give it to you generously. So yes, we have to do our part and say, God, give me the wisdom to walk through this trial, this challenge, this problem, this physical uh, issue that I have in my life. Maybe it's a, a battle for your life. God, help me to walk through this with your wisdom, to trust you, one step at a time, to trust you, to not be caught up in worry and anxiety. See, worry exaggerates the wrong things. I love the example of Peter. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of it often as a pastor. Remember when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water in the Gospels, and he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, if you tell me to come to you, I will great statement of faith. I love that. And Jesus says, come. And Peter does the unthinkable. He steps out of the boat and begins to walk on water. And he's doing fine until he does what? 
He starts looking at the waves and the wind and the storm and he takes his focus off of Jesus and immediately begins to sink. The lesson can't be more obvious than that. When you begin to look at the circumstances and exaggerate the wrong things. See, uh, we do face difficult circumstances, but we're not to exaggerate them. We're not to make them bigger than our God. And often we do that. See, when Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he was doing fine. But he begins to sink and Jesus has to lift him up out of the water. See, where's our faith? Sometimes we focus on the very wrong things instead of focusing on the God who promises to never leave us, never forsake us. As we walk through this problem, he's walking through this problem with us. And at the other end of that problem, we are going to come out stronger and more determined to say, you know what? God's plan works. God's answer works. I have found his will, like Romans 12 says, to be perfect as I live it out. Don't exaggerate the wrong things. Keep your eyes on our awesome God. Here's the third thing. Worry negatively spins the facts. When you're worried about something, you're spinning the facts in a way that really isn't true. I'm thinking of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. He just defeated 400 prophets of Baal. Fire comes out of heaven to prove that the God Yahweh is the God of Israel. And they kill the 400 prophets of Baal. Then after that, Queen Jezebel promises to kill Elijah. Hey, Elijah, I'm going to take your life by this time tomorrow. And Elijah flees for his life. He hides in a cave in a mountain. And God meets him there. And Elijah begins to spin something that's really not true. He says this in the text. I have been very zealous for the Lord. And I am the only one left. And God says to him, no you're not. There are hundreds of others who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Elijah, get up out of this place. What are you doing here? Get back in the battle. I still have a job for you to do. Trust me that I'll supply every ounce of power you need to accomplish what I've called you to do. See, we spin the facts in a way that's really not accurate. We lose our godly perspective. We begin to think things are worse than they really are. I want to challenge all of us to see life through God's Word to realize God is with us and things may not always end up the way we exactly want them. But we're going to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. This is what you've given to me. This is the time you've allotted to me. And I will trust you every step of the way. Husbands, trust God in your marriage. Wives, trust God in your marriage. High school students, college students, trust God as you're walking through your education. Even though you're taught things in in public schools and universities that are contrary to the word of God, trust God and his word. Trust what he says. He's the one that has absolute truth. Here's the second thing we need to remember. It's this. Worry is a destructive use of time and effort. There was a study that was done that uh, analyzed uh, worry at an American university. And the research discovered that what people worry about, they they were studying worry, 40% of what people worry about never happens. 30% are things that entail the past that can't be changed. 12% are needless worries about health. 10% are petty issues that shouldn't be worried about at all. The research found that 8% are legitimate concerns. So 92% of what we worried about is wasted energy. Shouldn't be worried about. And I believe the Word of God tells us the other 8%, trust God. 
Don't let worry and anxiety keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Don't let worry or anxiety rob one more day of joy from your life. Rob one more day of you saying, these are the things I can rejoice in today in the midst of the storm that's around me. That's what God wants. He wants us to live lives of faith. He says it right here in the text. Where is your faith? Increase your faith. See, worry elevates circumstances above the power of God. That's what always amazes me, by the way. I've shared this before. People who doubt the miracles of God's word, and yet they believe in God. We've talked about this in the past. Oh, yeah, I believe in God, but that whole Jonah and the whale thing, the great fish thing, can't believe that. The parting of the Red Sea, that's ridiculous. Oh, that, that person in the Old Testament, living that number of years, that can't happen. Wait a minute. Your God is that small that he can't do those little things? You've diminished your God. See, my God is an awesome God that can do beyond what I can even imagine or think. That's the God of the Bible. Please don't diminish your God. He is awesome just because you can't do it. Just because you can't accomplish that thing. Doesn't mean God can't. He is far greater, infinitely greater than any one of us. See, worry elevates the circumstances above the power of God. Worry diminishes God's ability in my mind. It doesn't in reality, but in my mind, it diminishes God's ability to meet my needs and work things out for good. And believe me, when you get to eternity, you're going to look back and say, oh, man, why, why did I worry about that? Why in the world was I anxious about that? I should have trusted God. I should have allowed him to increase my faith like he wanted to, but I stood in the way of it. I doubted his ability. I diminished this awesome God that I now see for all of his glory, and I should have trusted him. Philippians 4 is a couple verses after it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say it, rejoice. It says this, Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Listen, I get it. It's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. But I know in my heart that if I'm anxious about something and I'm allowing anxiety and worry to dominate my life and I'm doubting God, then I need to come back to God and say, God, increase my faith. I I trust you, God. And maybe that's the moment that we all need a few times a day. God, I trust you. Don't be anxious about anything. And I love the buts of the Bible, don't you? But, here's the answer. But of the Bible this in everything by prayer and supplication with what thanksgiving not with like hey god you're really failing in the god department today things are out of control god would you get on the job that's not an attitude of thanksgiving right say god these are the issues i'm dealing with i leave them with you the things i can't control i pray for the wisdom to walk through the problem in such a way that i can do my part and use the wisdom that you desire to give me but those things i can't control god i leave them with you and i trust you i know i've shared this before but i'll share it again yesterday at the uh, men's breakfast one of the firefighters that was here came up to me and uh, he met me in the foyer and just said hey pastor i just want to say that i think it was about nine years ago i was the firefighter at your house treating you when you were having your heart attack. And I said, oh man, thank you so much for what God used. I told him this. God used you and others at the hospital to save my life. Thank you. And I haven't had a chance to personally thank you, but thank you for being there. He goes, oh man, it was great. My pleasure. 
But, you know, I made it to the hospital, 30, 30 you know, paddles on my chest, nine days being in a coma, came out of it. And, and the reality is this. People have asked me, Mel, how, did you, how do you feel now after that? How do you feel? And my answer is always the same. I feel today as good as the day I had my heart attack. I felt great that day. It was a great day, a beautiful day. I felt good. It just reminds me every day that these days that we have are a gift from God. God, thank you for this day. It's a wonderful gift. I leave my life with you. I'm not going to worry about could this be my last day. I will trust you with the things I cannot control. I'm going to leave it in your hands. Increase my faith, God. Help me to know that there's a God who holds me in his hands and he will never let me go. And all the things that I might worry about, like my wife and my kids, if I'm gone, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Whatever happens, I trust you. I'm going to let my request be made known to you, God. And I believe this with all my heart, that if we do that, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There will be a peace that the world does not understand that God will give you if you trust him. If you're not there yet, God, increase my faith. Help me not to doubt. Help me not to be like the atheists of this world who can't see your fingerprints all around them because they are there. The evidence is powerful. Point number three is this. Worry reveals that we are approaching life as if God doesn't exist. We say we're followers of God, but we approach it like he doesn't exist. We live it like he's not really there. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy to the right. You know, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. Okay, here we go. I'm going the wrong way. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says this. You then... And this is what we all want, right? To be strengthened in our faith. If you really love Jesus, hey, Lord, strengthen me. You then, my child, he's talking to Timothy, his spiritual son, a young pastor. He says to this young pastor, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's power in Christ. Believe it. He'll help you. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who'll be able to teach others also. Timothy, teach some people who then teach others. I have found that whatever I teach, God uses that to burn into my heart and it helps me to walk it. Parents, teach your kids the word of God. It'll burn the word of God into your heart. Friends, teach your uh, knowledge of the word of God to other friends who maybe aren't as deep in the word of God yet. Teach it to others like Timothy should do with those he's entrusted with. Then he says this, share in suffering as a good soldier. So he uses a soldier as an example. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, Jesus. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. He uses the example of an athlete. Then he says this, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. See, here's the lesson from the teacher. It's this, there is a strength in passing it on. Telling others about what you've learned in Christ. You might say, oh, no, I'm a new believer. What do I tell people? Tell people what Jesus has done for you. Tell them, hey, you know what? I, I didn't know Jesus, and someone shared the gospel with me, and all of a sudden I just felt like this was true, and I felt convicted in my heart, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, what he did for me on the cross, and he has changed my life. Sometimes that simple message is the most powerful message an unbeliever can hear. 
And once you share that, God will give you more and more of a message to give. But pass on what you've learned. Hold your head high as a believer. There's power in that. Like the soldier, the lesson is stay focused. Don't get entangled in all these other things so that you're so worried and rushed. Think about it, all the companies that are out there that are all about rushing. Think about my, my telephone service is with a service called Sprint. Uh, we have a diet drink called Slim Fast, right? Then, then Quicken is the accounting software that's so popular. We have the fast lane on the highways, and if that's not fast enough, you can get on the HOV lane. We have fast food places, right? And like one of them is in and out. Everything has to be done quickly. We even have a national monument called Mount Rushmore. <laughs> right? Always oh, got to be so entangled in all these things. We don't have time to get deep with God. To really walk what God has called us to walk. See, the athlete follows the rule that's laid out before them, the plan that God has given to us. The, 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 the soldier stays focused on what God has given that soldier to do. And we are in this spiritual battle. The farmer, right? Nourish yourself first. He says here, a hardworking for, farmer ought to have the first share of the crops. What is he talking about? It's like my wife in the airplane. When you're at the airplane, the flight attendant gets on the mic and says, all right, thank you for flying these airlines. We are going to be flying at this uh, altitude. If there is a sudden loss of cabin pressure, the masks will drop from the compartments above. And then the flight attendant says, take your mask and put yours on first, and then your what? Then your child. Now, if you're a parent, you're, you're kind of troubled by that when you first hear it. No, I'm a parent. I'm going to take care of my kid first. Well, the reality is you cannot help your kid if you cannot what? breathe, right? You have to breathe first so you can help your kid. That's the principle of the farmer. Nourish yourself first. If you're not taking care of your own spirit, it's hard to help others. Not that you're not concerned about ministering to others, but make sure you're feeding yourself the Word of God first. That you really are getting into the Word of God. And you're letting this awesome truth that God has given to us empower you to avoid a life of anxiety and worry. See, in Jesus, the lesson is endures for the end. Like the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him was this, seeing all of you come to faith in him and being freed from the penalty of your sin. I like how the message translates Matthew 6, the passage we just read, verse 32. It says, people who don't know God and the way he works worry over these things. What we're going to eat, how we're going to clothe ourselves, about our lives. People who don't know God and the way he works worry over these things. My prayer would be, you know what? You would say, I know God. Not perfectly. God's still growing me up. But I know how he works. Mysterious ways. I know he doesn't always give me the easiest life, but he's there with me through the challenges that I face because in those challenges, I become stronger. Point number four is this. Worry tragically undermines our testimony in Christ. It's obvious, right? If you're worried all the time and you're anxious and you, you can't trust God, that undermines your ability to have a testimony. Leave your worries with God. Move forward. Pray. And, and, and leave those things you can't control with God and do what he's called you to do. So as 
we close today, I want to give you some now what's. See worry for what it is. Jesus says exactly what it is. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. Verse 30. Oh, you of little faith. The disciples asked that we should too. Jesus, increase our faith. Help me, God, to trust you. And I would say even throughout the day, to your own heart, say it a couple times a day, maybe more. God, I trust you. God, I have this problem at work. I may lose my job. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I have this challenge in my life. I'm battling this illness, this cancer in my life. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, up my faith. Help me to trust you every step of the way. Train your minds to trust God throughout the day. Pray with thanksgiving. Bring your requests to God. Leave them with him knowing that he will do what he promised to work it out for good. Point four, meditate on the promises and truths of Scripture, like Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a great passage to meditate on. And then lastly, constantly remind yourself that worry equates to a lack of faith and doesn't accomplish anything. God has a much greater calling on our lives for us to make a difference in eternity and to trust him every step of the way. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer today. And as you bow your hearts, tell God this morning, God, I, I trust you. I trust you. Doesn't mean my life will be easy. But through every trial, I trust you, God. I'm going to walk by faith. Increase my faith, God. And Lord, as we look all around us, we see your power and your majesty in all of creation. You're an awesome God, and this is the glimpse of what you've created. And I pray, God, that we as followers of yours would not live lives of anxiety and faith, but use the wisdom that you promised to give us to walk through trials and to know that those things we cannot control, we will leave with you. And regardless of what the outcome is, we'll trust you as we walk through whatever it is that we face. Lord, we love you today. You're an awesome God. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing this song. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense and my righteousness, oh God, how I need you, my one defense, my Amen. Well, we have elders and home group leaders up front who would love to pray with you about anything you're anxious about or worried about. They'd love to pray with you about that. And as you leave, love one another and live this week. All for him. God bless you. See you on the patio.